Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Mm. It's um definitely spring here coming on to full-on summer. Next week, we're supposed to get up into the lower 80s. It's so funny. Just all of a sudden, click over. It's the... Springtime in the Rockies. I almost sat in the grape arbor, but my, I thought decided it might be a little chilly on the shade there. But soon, I'm on the east side of the house. <sighs> Once this book is done, I might try the Instagram live thing again. I uh, just had to have the mental bandwidth for it. I'm definitely, <clears throat> I think I've said this several times now, <laughs> absolutely, definitely, though, hit and tired on this book. Um, I have passed 115,000 words and still not quite to the end. It's close, close. Editor Jenny said, let's try to keep it below 119. <laughs> so we'll see. One of my writer friends was saying that she went on... Oh, did I say what day it is? That you could tell I'm so book-brained. Um, it's Thursday, April 23rd. Yeah. Um, she had a book out, and this is a gal who's a New York Times best-selling author, you know, pretty good, long career. But she had given an urban fantasy, put that on submission, and it's 76,000 words, and they told her it was too long. <laughs> So, I don't know. Her agent hadn't wanted to submit it and stuff, which I don't get. I haven't read it. But she kind of had to tell her agent to do it. Now I wonder if her agent's not sabotaging it, which, yes, that happens. You know, like the agent's wanting to preserve their relationship with the editor. The agent may say something like, oh, well, just tell her it's too long. You know, if you, if you, if you hate it, I understand. <laughs> it's why you want an agent who really loves your book and will be a champion for your book. And, yeah, she has thought about leaving this particular agent, and more people than me have suggested it to her, and she would like to, but it's, um, she says it's, there's, it would get in the way of some other things, some foreign rights and all these other things, which I can understand, but still, you know, it's like staying in the marriage because you don't think you could sell the house or something. It's like, well, how miserable are you willing to make yourself? There's something out on the road here. Let's go look and see what it is. So, um, for those of you keeping track at home, the book is now a, a week late. Though I've offered to send it to Jenny, as is. And she says that's fine. She laughs at me. She thinks she's funny. She thinks I'm funny. <laughs> I th she might think she's funny, too. But she... Uh, told me to, that it was fine, that we have plenty of time. So, as I suspected, she has quite a lot of time blocked out to read and get it back to me. And we shall see. This could be famous last words, but I, uh, I don't think it's going to need tons of developmental edits. If only because I've been tweaking it semi-obsessively. I keep thinking about what 
Leslie Penelope called it the landing the train or <laughs> landing the train. God, serious book brain. Landing the plane. This is a green light bio. I probably shouldn't have picked this up, but all right, I'm gonna throw it away though. Then I'll have to not touch anything with this hand until I get my hand washed. So anyway, I thought that that was a good analogy. That's how it feels. It's once when I lived in Laramie, Wyoming, I was traveling a whole lot for the day job then. And <clears throat> I would fly into DIA, Denver, and then take the little prop plane back up to Laramie. And, you know, there weren't a whole lot of those flights, and they got canceled with huh, great regularity. But especially if there was weather in Laramie in wintertime, which... That was pretty much what we had in Laramie in winter time. So, I'm going to go over and put this in the trash since I'm committed now. So, I had come in, I have no idea where, that part's probably not relevant, but it had been the night before, and I missed my flight to Laramie. And it was snowy weather, and I took the prop plane up in the morning, first thing in the morning, and it might have been because the flight had gotten canceled the night before. It went very early, and it was ready to go up to Laramie to take out that first early morning set of passengers. We have a little fence around our garbage, part of our neighborhood requirements there. So... <clears throat> <laughs> the way it worked out. And it wasn't the only time, but I remember this time in particular, I was the only passenger. It was only a 19-seater prop plane. But the pilots were very sweet and funny and were like, Madame, you're a private plane. <laughs> and they would, depending on the pilots, they would leave the doors open between the passenger section and the cockpit so that you could see out the front of the plane too. This obviously was a simpler era before 9-11, too, when they could do that. Uh, so, very early morning flight. We got up there right as the sun was coming up. And the it was, you know, beautiful white. And it, was, it had stopped storming, but there was white snow all over everything. And so they came in for the landing and pulled up and circled. And they said to me, well, you noticed, <laughs> no doubt, that we started to come in and pulled up again. But we're having them plow the runway for us again because we couldn't see it well enough. And I was, you know, I could see out the cockpit windows and it looked like a, you know, pristine sheet of white to me. So I was like, yeah, yeah that's fine. You take all the time you want to find that runway. So they came in for another landing and pulled up again. And I, I can't remember if it was three or four times, three or four times that they tried and they kept having them go out and try to clear off the runway a little bit more, but there was so much um, 
ice on it, you know, that they could only clear it to a certain amount. So it was a little bit um, white-knuckling it on that landing. Made it fine, obviously survived, but that was like a an interesting experience and fits nicely into that analogy of landing the plane. You know, it's like with the book, it feels like you're just kind of circling that ending and circling that ending. And Grace was pointing out to me that I could just end it and then come back, you know, with revisions and tweak it more, which is absolutely true. But I guess I feel like I feel like there's still something I'm trying to nail. I'm still trying to find it. Wow, it's almost hot. Almost hot sitting here. And I have short sleeves on. Wee. So, I'm going to up in the bush there. So, today we're going to have our writer Zoom meeting. And probably yoga this afternoon. Not a whole lot else to report. Mostly just um, being head down on this book and sort of pushing through. I would I would send it to Jenny without the ending and I don't think she would be very upset. It's just that yeah, I'm, I'm saying the same thing over and over again. I just want to keep... I'm, I'm, I'm close. I'm getting to it. I came up with a really interesting solution, kind of craft-wise, to a part of the end that I'm very pleased with, very pleased with myself. So we'll see what you guys all think. And then I'm going to have to start talking about Fiery Crown release. Get my head out of this book and talk about Fiery Crown. So I can't think of anything else I was going to say. So I'm not going to sit here and not say it. I'm going to get to work. Um, first Cup of Coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network. You can find other podcasts that are longer than 10 minutes at frolic.media slash podcasts. <laughs> And I will talk to you all tomorrow. Who knows? Maybe the book will be done. It's a mystery. Talk to you all later. Bye-bye.